And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Monday, hot Monday. Gary, how are you? Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm so depressed with that news that came out over the weekend. Yeah, what's you, that? Well, you know, the, the one that uh, TMZ broke, Kid Rock drinking a Bud Light. Oh, I didn't see that. You didn't see that? No. It was a huge news over the weekend. It well, yeah. didn't make my news feed. <laughs> yes. Was that the buzz? <laughs> that, was, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was the buzz. All yes. right. Yes, Kid Rock at a concert last Thursday caught drinking a Bud Light. Oh. And then it was Breitbart, I think, it's boycott over. <laughs> well, I, then I'm surprised to learn that Kid Rock still does concerts. Well, I, he, was at, he was at another concert. Oh, he was attending. Yeah, okay, well, that makes he was sense. At, apparently he was attending yeah. a concert. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, yeah, he was. I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember him announcing a tour or anything. I didn't see anything making the news because liberals would be all upset that somebody who is uh, not a liberal is making music. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the best still ever was the meme when Marjorie Taylor Greene announced she was getting a divorce. Mm. And there was the picture of Kid Rock, yeah. like fast walking, yeah, on a <laughs> and beach it was somewhere, yeah, on a beach somewhere, yeah, you know, fast walking with the beer in his hand, going <laughs> Kid Rock looking for Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. That, was a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That so, was funny. So yeah, as as uh, the uh, as the rest of us, you mm. know, spend so much time, energy, and effort to find what kind of beer we can drink. Mm. Kid Rock crumbles. What yeah. is he not a dependent, a, a dependable conservative? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> oh man! Other than that, it was a interesting weekend. Mm-hmm. A lot of different uh, stories out there. Trump not going to uh, be in the first debate. 
Yeah. Uh, he has exited stage left from uh, from that. You've got uh, Hillary hitting south. Okay, we need to be careful. Hillary, the... The her, storm. Hillary, yeah. Hillary with one L. Yeah. Uh, I saw so many so many news organizations with the graphics that were wrong on the spelling on that over the weekend. There was three major news organizations that had the wrong spelling on it. I thought, how do you get that wrong on the graphics? Wow. You get the list of storms. I mean, the names for the storms. Mm-hmm. And I saw three major news organizations with the wrong spelling of that. Because Hillary, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y, going to California, isn't news. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> As Bill calls it, that's spring break. That's my time when I, I read. <laughs> I sit at home myself and read. Yeah, I saw some of the, the pictures are getting hit with some really yeah. big rain on the earthquake yeah. in between that. Right. It was a 5.1, 5.2, I guess. Right. Yeah. But but I, I realized that over the weekend that no matter what the weather is, you know, it's climate change. Uh, if you see, for example, up in places uh, in the northeast, uh, they're having a much colder summer. Mm-hmm. Than uh, than normal, we're a little bit of probably above average here. Yeah, actually, we've been setting setting records yeah. here. So for the yeah. for the length of time, I and mean, we haven't hit a we haven't hit, for example, I don't think where I saw a, a thing yesterday. We're not like in the top ten of of highest temperatures though. Mm-hmm. Uh, for officially for Dallas, I saw that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, <laughs> I actually want it to be over because it's been since July, and then yesterday. Another hundred and eight, hundred and nine degree day. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you look at the long range forecast; every day is in the hundreds. But yep. it, it, for example, you know, talking uh, to a few of my friends up in Western New York, and they're just like, "This is the year without a summer for us." Mm. You know, they had like an eighty-one degree day yesterday. Everybody was going crazy. It's like, yeah, but the, most of last week, and I think majority of this week. Uh, is like in the low 70s, mm. even days just in the 60s as a high. So it doesn't matter whether you get the rain, whether you get the drought, whether you get the sunshine. Uh, it's all climate change. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, interesting story we'll have on uh, Sweden adopting nuclear power. Uh, interesting story on uh, that coming here up on the, the show to uh, uh, today. I'll tell you about the Democratic lawmaker who plans to move forward with a four-day work week. This is in Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. Four days, 32 hours. All right. Make the same. Mm-hmm. All companies over 500 people would have to do it. Under 500, you would not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that would be interesting because that's the key. The key is... The pay remains the same. That would be the legislation. Well, then you would have to to make that effective without just laying people off. Then you have to make a minimum salary requirement then at that point statewide. Because otherwise companies could come in and say, yeah, we're not cutting your pay. We're cutting you. And we're laying off and and the new people we start, we're going to hire at a lower wage. Unless you come in and set a minimum wage like that. Would that be the ne- would that- minimum standard on on uh, which would have to be on salary too? Would that be the next thing? Think about this. Is that the next thing that's coming from Democrats 
where it is if you're a company once you hire a certain number of people you must keep that certain number of people yeah well good luck with that um because uh, a company going out of business has to keep zero and you're what you would see likely is a ton of companies going to part-time only no you know we yeah we're not full-time we're not going to have any full-time employees except for at this at this level here executives and we'll just hire more well, hourly people and we'll work them 21 hours a week. Will you see companies, for example, saying, all right, your health care is gone. Go on Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your health care is gone. We're right. mandated that we have to cut back, you know, to four days, four days a week. Right. Every sure. single company, which means you've got to manage because there's a ton of companies. Mm-hmm. Think of how that would affect. Let me just throw a company at you that's working 24-7 all the time, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yep. On a company like that, on shipping companies, what would that do to their costs? Oh, no, it would be absolutely ludicrous. And if they go statewide, then you're going to have a lot of companies saying, well, I guess we don't stay in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, you know, if we have to maintain this level of workforce and we can't afford to take everybody part time and basically that would be that would entail basically moving everybody to part time and then hiring other part timers. Mm-hmm. Now, the very real situation is that you've got to incentivize people to work for you. But if the state is saying, no, we want people to work. 32 hours, and that can be the max that they work. That's going to be full-time. I'd love to see from all the, uh, any companies in in, uh, Pennsylvania who on a normal basis have overtime. Not just 40, but you're working 48 hours or more per week. And if you're mandating that there can't be any overtime or overtime likely, overtime would have to be paid after 32 hours, then you have to consider as a company whether or not you can stay in in that state. Or cut benefits. Mm -hmm. That would be a key. We're cutting no more health insurance. Mm -hmm. But if you get to that particular point, then you if you get to the point of doing that as a company uh, in, in this day and age and you're trying to attract talent, you may just move out of state. Yeah, I mean, you may not have a choice. Again, we've said it about individuals and companies in other states that uh, for whatever reason and for a number of reasons have made it too costly to live or conduct business in those states. At some point, you can't afford to stay. And if the state doesn't want to be productive, you know, because... This is it. You you get into the states that are saying, all right, mandatory paid leave for this, mandatory paid leave for that. At some point, those companies have to decide whether it's productive or not to stay in those states. Do they see what is happening? Because this is a Democrat in Pennsylvania that is promoting this, a Democratic state lawmaker. Do they see what is happening, that there is a shift? Do they understand that when it comes to so many different things that we have talked about, including things on the economy, 
what the government can actually do because the abstract is now hitting the reality of it. You know, you can't continue the spending that we're doing. Democrats believe we can. Mm -hmm. You can't continue it. And and so when you get to this particular point, as we have stated, you know, and you see the mass migration out of California, out of Illinois, out of New York, going to Florida, going to Texas, you know, you see the desperation. You know, we talked about the CNBC. What's the best place for business? Where's the best place to work? And <laughs> wokeness, <laughs> you know, wokeness was a huge factor in what state is the best for business. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. It's like they live, they continue to live in this delusional world. Yeah. And one of the questions that you and I asked, have we reached the point where states will now be massively competing for for not just for business, but for talent? Because you look at these uh, these states where people are moving out of when we have we don't have the birth rate to continue uh, the economic growth that we've been having because you don't have the people available, but you see the mass migration into certain states, which allows them to have more of a workforce, more to choose from. And you just wonder, and you look at, at California wanting to raise taxes, Illinois wanting to raise taxes, New York wanting to raise taxes, and due to the fact that you've got billionaires the rich moving out of those states because they keep wanting to tax them they're losing a tremendous amount of their state revenue because it's such a it's it's such a tilted uh you know uh tax um the tax reality of what they have where they get so much i think uh, it was uh cuomo who said in new york a few years back he goes my gosh the the top one percent play pay 40% of the taxes. They start moving out, boom, you get hit big time. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. Oh, no, this, it's been a cash drain for both California and New York, and that's going to continue. There's nothing that's going to turn that around. There is no incentive. A family member uh, was uh, tasked at her job with assessing whether or not their company, which is a smaller company, but it's got massive growth, very quick growth, should go into California. The assessment from the entire accounting department, all the bean counters, it was a resounding no. And here's why. And they put the numbers on the paper and the the people in charge, the, the owners, basically, it's a partnership. The owners looked at it and said, I don't know how we can do it. There's no way we can do it. They thought it was going to be explosive growth by going to California, and they realized they may see short-term growth, but within five years, they'd be looking to leave California. And that's the reality. Companies are, this is happening a lot with companies that have thought that they're going to go to, you know, these areas and and they're going to expand their growth, then all of a sudden they get hit hard and really I have to say that the timing, likely it's the timing of all of this, that the talent has left the state in recent years. I think it was accelerated uh, to some degree by COVID. But it was always the case that California had, like, the highest, in fact, cost of living. It's why the U.S. Census Bureau changed 
why how they were measuring poverty. It was based on what you've always said. They changed it to to be based on what it should be based on, and that is cost of living by comparison to what people make. And cost of living in California is too great. And over and over again, we see companies leaving the state for various reasons. Then you add to it the, you know, the the call for defund the police. Uh, their policy on on wildfires has got two at least two major homeowners insurance companies leaving the state. They'll no longer write any policies in that state. All of this is by choice. The people elect more and more people to do this over and over again. And everybody thinks something is going to change. This economy isn't just about inflation. It's about what's going on at the state level in a big way. 86690-RED-EYE. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Clean gear oil, for example, extends gear, bearing, and seal life. It also protects against low-speed, high-torque wear and high-speed scoring. That means not only longer equipment life and reduced maintenance costs, but also improve fuel economy and lower operating costs. So the next time you plan for your oil change purchase, don't neglect lubrication and inspection, especially on components and parts that work hard to keep your vehicle running safe and smooth. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal, but man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find Great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. Wow, not a, a, a good weekend for the uh, the, uh, the the president, not because he said anything, but because he's just sort of disappeared. We're going to play a ton of audio cuts coming up following the bottom of uh, the hour, but uh, this was on CNN over the weekend, mm. and this is a Maui resident talking to CNN. And right now, the Maui community is helping the Maui community. And I'm, I'm really... And it's really affected me because where's the president? He decides to come here this week to come here next week. I mean, like, where, where, aren't we Americans too? Like, we're part of the United States, but why are we not, why are we getting put in the back pocket? Why are That was on CNN. Yep. And, and that's you know that's the uh, the the point. And they and uh, he's on a well, week long vacation to uh, Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And you know after he was at the beach vacation in Delaware, where he had no comment. And then remember right. when he was asked on oh, it was a Thursday mm. when he was asked, uh, "You have any comment on?" Because he's supposed to go to Maui today. I heard. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he, he just said, well, "You have any comment on your trip?" No, mm-hmm. and it was just whoa. Yeah, it's and yeah. you you and I've talked about this before. How he seems to get into this uh, st- uh, incredible stubborn streak that you could just imagine his aides are telling him, "You need to go." Remember oh, the Ohio yeah. the train derailment. Right. You need to go here, and the more you tell him he needs to go somewhere, and it's an absolute thing that he must do, the more defiant he becomes. It just it really is yeah. amazing. No, I'm not going to answer questions on yeah. it. No, yeah. It it's just uh, and we'll get to a ton of other audio. I mean, the NBC over the I mean, Chuck Todd over the weekend. I mean, some of the stuff that there was going on there. Well, was the, really fascinating. And Be- then the New York Times and the Washington Post on the whole Hunter thing. Oh, you'll get to that. Oh, yeah, there's, there's so much to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, it's like, wow, the liberal <laughs> media's awake, everybody. to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, the Sunday morning news shows. We'll get to some of these audio cuts here in a little bit where the Democrats are insisting the economy is just doing wonderful and they got some pushback. Uh, we'll get to that. Plus, we had talked about uh, in Pennsylvania, a big, you know, uh, it's just one lawmaker uh, that is what is introduced the bill to have a four day work week in just 32 hours. And we're like, wow. How can you do that, especially with the competition that we expect to see from states for people and jobs over the next decade or so? Let's Mm -hmm. go to Charles in Arizona. Charles, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi, Charles. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Okay, great. Hey, my topic has to do with basically the revitalization of America. If you take a look at a lot of the states... Not the Democrat-run states, but a lot of the other states have little towns that are basically dying on the vine because they don't have manufacturing, they don't have jobs, and their children are growing up and leaving and uh, going to some other state or doing something else. 
Okay, you've said you that that we that you need man you need manufacturing in small states or, or uh, small uh, uh, population centers. Not going to happen. No, you, you it's, don't it's, have you don't have you don't have the population. States are losing no. population right now. Well, and you don't have the you don't have the cheap energy that's needed. Uh, and a lot of states are in fact working against cheap energy. You don't have the talent pool that's needed. Right. You don't have the the workers. The number of workers. Gone is the day when everybody in the town wanted to do, basically, there were one or two major employees, or employers, rather, at, you know, at the manufacturing level that everybody was pointing to as the, and I lived in a town like that. Those days are far behind us. And the reason that they're behind us is because you have to go where the people live. If you're going to set up manufacturing anywhere in the U.S., you're going to go, it may be to an outlying area. But you're still going to go to a major metro area in order to ensure that if you experience a high turnover rate, that there are people in line at all times to apply for those jobs and to fill those positions that are being voided as that revolving door keeps turning. That's just the way it is. And on top of that, we've decided as a nation that we don't want cheap and plentiful energy. Yeah, we've decided as a nation through who we put into elective office, that we do not want a manufacturing base, both by the fact of not wanting uh, cheap energy, Mm. because that's what the people of the United States have voted for. We don't want cheap energy. And uh, the as we've uh, talked about before, the population growth has, uh, you know, has uh, not kept up with what we have seen over the last, you know, 80 years in this country where we had both women come into the workforce and a huge population boom from World War II. And the other thing is when you see many of these states, these high-tax states, where they have, you know, because of their tax, tax policies, the billionaires are moving out, that you're going to have more of a, of the taxes have to be paid by the poor and the middle class. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of the tax systems that have been uh, set up there. And they seem to have no, no worry at all about increasing taxes. I was seeing the governor, in fact, we'll have it coming up in a couple seconds, the governor of uh, Minnesota on Meet the Press, uh, best economy ever. You know, the economy's going great. Biden's Mm -hmm. doing a wonderful uh, job. Anybody in Minnesota listening to that governor knows he's delusional. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. delusional. Yeah, anybody knows that. You can even see Chuck Todd, you know, asking questions. You can see Chuck Todd's. I well, stop it. You know, mm-hmm. Stop this about Biden. Stop this about, you know, the the uh, the the economy. And they had a talk about, you know, they had a roundtable on that. They had the one guy from the Hoover Institute, the think tank, that was saying, you know, you're you're trying to sell people that the economy's great and they don't feel it. No. And they said that's going to be. He said that's one thing that isn't talked about. How inflation is still going to affect the 2024 uh, election. And they all seem to be in agreement, like, okay, yeah, the, the, you know, it it's trouble right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, as, as to if you wish that to happen, that would be nice, but wishes don't matter. Well, and to that's be very it. Blunt, I mean, you don't, you don't bring a, ma- a manufacturer doesn't come to a ghost town in order to revive a ghost town. It's quite the opposite. They go to yeah. where the people already are, because they need people to fill those those jobs as soon as that manufacturing facility is online. 
That's just the way it is. And it is unfortunate for these small towns. But, you know, one thing that uh, Charles pointed out is is the the fact that, you know, uh, the younger generation, they get up and they move. Well, they get up and they move because they want to go to where there's more jobs and more choices for jobs. Uh, it's not just that the corporations or the, the manufacturers are done with that kind of, you know, setting up shop in a small town and having everybody work for you. It's that generations, a couple of generations, I, I, I think yours and my generation were probably the last to really adhere to that, to where you had this in your mind, when I graduate high school or college, I'm going to go to this manufacturer, I'm going to work there, and I'm going to retire, I'm going to have a pension from there, and that's the way it's going to be. There are very few employers in the U.S. where they still have that with the people that work for them. It is a generational thing. We've seen it die off, and that's why those young people move from the small towns because they realize if I want to have a better choice of jobs, working two or three years for one employer for people in the generations behind us, that's a big deal to them. To me, you're still the newbie. I've been here 26 and a half years, <laughs> and I'm still the newbie. And and those are the things that, you know, you, you have to look at is, is all right, if you're going to have that revolving door, then what do you do? Well, you go to where there's more individuals in that area, and that's exactly what they do. Well, I'll say this. You have, you have uh, uh, businesses that are so desperate where – if you had a resume when I was growing up, if you had a resume where you were jumping every year or two, yeah, oh, people, yeah, yeah. that was a huge <laughs> negative. It was, yeah, you know, uh, why, why are you, why do you keep jumping from job to job to right. job to job? Yeah, yeah. Now it's viewed as just normal. I mean, there's just like, right. oh, okay, you've worked here, 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 and you left. Right. Oh, okay, that means and you were performing. All right, well, we need somebody like that here. Right. I have, I have a friend of mine who's in commercial real estate, and she has, you know, jumped. Uh, to you know, to get better pay on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. and she even said, "I, you know, I feel a little guilty because I was only there for you know a year or two. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Do they offer you a contract? Yeah, if mm-hmm. they don't offer you a contract, I mean, when you when you live in the when you live and and you exchange your your work for money, there's also a thing called a contract. Mm-hmm. If they wish to keep you, they could sign you to a contract, mm-hmm. you know, where you could stay for five years. Yeah, when sure. they don't do that, you don't you don't owe them anything. You're not bound there to is, them. There, you don't legally, you don't morally owe them anything. And so people are, you know, starting to move on. But it used to be viewed as a negative. And so you'd sit there and say, oh, man, look at my resume. Mm-hmm. Remember, we'd look at our resume and say, oh, no, there's a one or two month point there where, I was off of work. Yeah. What do I do? Right. All right. Okay, I'll move that two weeks to that way and two weeks to that way. So it's only like I was out of work for a month. Mm-hmm. Who will ever notice? You were so worried about things like that where today it's like, we don't hey, care. Hey, I'm coming in here and uh, what do you, what can you offer the, co- the company? Well, I, I quiet quit quieter than the rest of the people who quiet quit. Yeah. Listen, mm-hmm. okay. I showed up for this stupid interview. <laughs> It's funny because... And you didn't even get me a cup of coffee. Exactly. And what, what did you, Oh, someone mentioned that. In fact, I, I read a number of articles about employers and what they look for when they interview people. And one of them was, you know, 
we want people to show up for the interview. So my joke was based in something I've actually seen. And then you bring in the coffee cup thing, and there was a separate article about this is the one thing that I do to test people for an interview. It tells me the type of employee that they might turn out to be. I take them to the to the break room, and we make some kind of beverage, usually coffee, and then we take that to my office. If they leave the cup sitting on my desk and don't return it to the kitchen, they don't get hired. I mean... Wow. <laughs> the psychology, because how else are you going to do it? If you say, well, you got 20 years experience here and you're certified or whatever, trained, education, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's one thing. But you also have to determine what kind of employee they're going to be. Are they going to be thoughtful in their approach? And those are very real things because otherwise you don't know because the resume may be scattered. You know, it's one thing what they'll look at first is how long you've been at your current job. Then it will be, you know, the position that you're in, how long you've been doing what you do. Because if you've been in the same field of work for a long time, then that can help to make up for jumping from job to job every yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And the But the question is, we're going to spend onboarding and training can cost a company thousands of and thousands and thousands of dollars. Then they pour in, uh, you know, whatever, maybe a, whatever incentive, uh, a 90-day signing bonus or just your regular bennies, your benefits. Mm-hmm. And for those under the age of 90, bennies, they're not a drug. <laughs> and it's its not a guy from an hey. Elton John <laughs> song. Hey, if they drink coffee, maybe they'll take Bennies <laughs> yeah, and they'll work a lot harder and faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I do is I line out some cocaine on the desk. <laughs> oh, here we go. And I see whether or not they're disgusted or they smile. Uh, <laughs> Janet Yellen. Bennies! Bennies! <laughs> so, you... you get, <laughs> You get into the, <laughs> you got me weed, um, but you get into that. And and by the way, I, I I now have to add, ask employers, can I and I'll have to look into desk? this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can I smoke at my desk? Exactly. Hey, do you mind if I vape or bring in edibles? Uh, <laughs> you bring a whole box with the whole crew? Well, no, it's not donuts, dude. Uh, <laughs> These are expensive, uh, but you but you have to wonder too how much of that has changed since legalization in certain states, mm-hmm. and and the attitude of um, of what became generational, and that is we're not going to center our entire life around our work. What they miss out on is when you do that, when you focus on your work, everything that you want out of life comes from that including food when you're old because you build a retirement. And that's a very important thing, food when you're old. Older Eric needs to eat. That's what (laughs) repeats in my head all the time. He's going to need a place to stay and food. And 
That's what keeps him coming in every, every every single night. night to work with me. Yeah, you may. That's it. You're you're waking up to work all night again. I know how painful it can be, but older Eric is going to be happy you did. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, welcome and uh, good morning. Coming up, uh, we will uh, uh, talk about <laughs> what happened over the, uh, the the weekend. Really, some interesting uh, stories. You know, whether it's uh, uh, Biden and Hawaii. That yeah. story from the New York Post that the Hawaii official concerned with equity delayed releasing water for more than five hours. Right as wildfires yeah. rage. That's report there. Plus the Sunday morning news shows, just uh, some of the discussion there because it was, it's, it, and and you had mentioned to the uh, New York Times was it also Washington Post the Washington, stories on Hunter Biden two different stories yeah. on Hunter Biden that that share some of the same thoughts and it just appears that the liberal media, you know, this has been happening with Chuck Todd because he's kind of on his way out the door, and but uh, this is also happening with other liberal media outlets where they're now. Because it really was for the longest time, for a couple of years, what Hunter Biden story? There's no Hunter Biden story. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't include Joe. Oh, yeah. And then now they're focusing on uh, not just Hunter, but Weiss and Weiss's relationship with the Biden family. And that starts to hit from the liberal media, the New York Times and the Washington Post. Now, you know, they're not ignoring the story. Are they are they going full on coverage and covering everything that needs to be covered? No, no. no. But they are doing stories on it, which means they're greatly concerned about it. And keep in mind, the majority of his own party doesn't want this president to run again next year. And and also Trump not in the first debate. Nope. And what does that mean? What's the big picture all around the corner? Hmm. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit houseproducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, Welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 
We are Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Mm. All right, just let's just start with some audio cuts over the weekend. All right. right? Okay. I, I did promise him. Uh, yeah. This is uh, on uh, Meet the Press. Mm. Uh, how many weeks he has? Like, does he does Chuck Todd have like two more weeks or something? Then I think he goes to home confinement, house arrest, <laughs> and then he's free to work part time. <laughs> All right. All right. Here, here he is with Minnesota Democratic Governor Tim Waltz. Man, if I lived in Minnesota and did local talk, I'd have a field day with this guy. Mm. But uh, here, here, here we go. Right. Do you really believe Joe Biden is the Absolutely. best candidate? The Democrats could nominate, or is this a political expediency answer? Well, absolutely. First of all, he's been one of the most highly effective presidents we've ever seen. I sat in Congress for 12 years waiting for Infrastructure Week. He actually delivered on this. And look, Dean is a friend of mine. I love him. But I spent last weekend on Mackinac Island with Tony Evers and Gretchen Whitmer talking about how we're going to make sure that we win this for Joe Biden. Because this is not a debate about Joe Biden's age or experience. It's about a debate about protecting the democracy. Is it? Is it really? And, and and why do people? Let's let's get to another audio cut here. Uh, what why, do you make of that? Uh, that? Uh, here we go. Here, I'm sorry. The, and that was my fault, folks. Mm. Sorry. Right. Uh, here's uh, talking about uh, um, the situation with Joe Biden and why it's so bad. Joe Biden seems to not have um, this groundswell of support right now. Do you think it's all age? No, I think it's I think it's our system. I think Donald Trump and the Republican Party have poisoned it to people. No one trusts our institutions. No one trusts Congress. No one trusts any of us uh, because all they do is attack our families, do those types of things. Okay. This guy's really weak. Yeah. I mean, this is really, really. Yeah, this is really, really weak. Mm-hmm. And and so then they uh, then they get into a little discussion. Uh, this is the panel discussion. Uh, on uh, his Biden's favorability ratings. Understand this is NBC, and we're just trying to take a, you know, trying to figure out what the tone is. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, from from uh, uh, meet meet the press and the mainstream media. One thing I want to point out here is I want to show you his. It, this stuff has taken a huge toll on him. You know, Biden, right before the 2020 election, he was right side up, which in our polarized politics is quite astonishing. But look, Trump and Rudy Giuliani began this campaign to try to tarnish Biden, to try to turn him into the Clinton name, you know, with the with the obsession over over the Ukraine businesses with Hunter. And it's worked. His numbers now look more like Hillary Clinton 16 than Biden 20. <laughs> and the funny thing is, they're still, he's still trying to make the point. This is all about Hunter. Yeah. Hunter's dealings yeah. with Ukraine yeah. that has nothing to do uh, with uh, the um, uh, with uh, the, uh, the the president. This, this I'm a little confused by the whole Bidenomics. Okay, hang on. I've just had problems with my audio for some reason here. This is Lan He Chen, a uh, fellow from the Hoover Institution, uh, on the uh, the entire Bidenomics thing. Here we go. All right. I'm a little confused by the whole Bidenomics thing because you're trying to convince people of something. You're trying to convince them their own impressions about the economy are wrong. And so if you look, for example, at how Hispanic and black voters feel about the economy, they'll tell you it stinks. Now, they can keep saying, but we have the the CHIPS Act, but we have the IRA. At the end of the day, you can't convince someone that they're feeling, how they're feeling about the economy is wrong. And that's what this election is going to come down to. And I get that they're trying to present a proactive message. But at the end of the day, it's very difficult, I think, to do that when people feel. They simply feel differently. Well, they feel differently because they, what, 
they feel differently because it is different. Yeah, because reality yeah. Right. is different. And and so and he made the point that we've made many times before. They're walking out there and they're telling middle class America the economy is great because of the chip act. The economy is great mm. because if you buy uh, $30,000 worth of solar panels, you'll save $5,000. Uh-huh. The economy is great because if you buy a $78,000 electric vehicle, you'll get $6,000 off. Look at the savings that we're giving you. Well, yeah. you're a moron if you think that is yeah. going to somehow relate to the middle class yeah. and the poor in this country, and that's what they've been trying to do. Yep. Yep. It, um, you know, over and over again, uh, they miss the mark. And you kind of have to, I guess, once you're in that delusional state, you have to stay in that delusional state. And and I don't know what you do if you're a Democrat and you know Biden is failing. And you listen to this and you say, what do I do? Do I show up? There's no euphoria surrounding Biden I have to wonder this. I'm going to put it out there. And no, I'm not smoking weed. Is the hatred for Trump with the rank and file, not the party members, the rank and file Democrats, is the hatred for Trump currency as valuable as it once was? Let me rephrase that. Will it be as valuable in November of 2024 if Trump and Biden are the two guys on the on the ballot? Look, we've said about we've said about the problem with Trump is getting independence. Yeah. And I talked to independent Bob yesterday Mm. and he just he can't deal with Trump. Right. Just can't deal with and and he is furious at Trump because he believes because of how Trump has acted, even if not illegally, Mm. that Trump is going to put Biden in office again Mm -hmm. and the Democrats will be in another four years. He is livid about that. Yeah, that's where the independents are. He is, is, I I think, or, or might be in November of next year. I think there is a case to be made because I, I think you're seeing it in the numbers. I think you might see it in the numbers in the summer of next year. Trump is eventually the nominee. But I but and, and when I brought up, for example, when I brought up, I said, well, let's go back in history. Let's, let's look at everything. Look at what Hillary did. Yeah. You know, look what right. look what Hillary did. Oh, because the one thing he said, he said, there's no accountability. And I said, well, actually, there is. Hillary's not president. Right. There was accountability mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats will look at, you know, you say there's no accountability for Trump. He's not president right now. Right. I said, so what do you mean by accountability? If he broke the law, yes. But if you look at these things and you could tell he was like, and I think it came down to he just wants Trump gone because he believes Democrats will hold power for the next decade if Trump is the nominee. And it's as simple as that. Well, he does. I don't think there's any he has got no hatred towards Trump. He's looking at the what he views as this is my, the political reality that I believe is going to happen. Definitely now, an issue, but I think it's right. a separate issue from uh, from my question on the motivation for rank-and-file Democrats. Because I think for rank-and-file Democrats, they'd be more inclined to stay home. Right, because I'm talking more yeah. independence right. there. So. Right, Okay. And and because you because, – and I had a long conversation with my dad on Sunday. 
and talking about a number of things and things that aren't working. And at some point, what, you know, the, the, inevitably, if you're talking to anybody uh, and they know what you do for a living, they ask the question, um, what is, so what do you think is the main driver? What do you, do you think people will keep voting this way? And the fact of the matter is, I don't expect it to change the party they support when they vote. But, you know, you see, and I, and they had the poll over the weekend. I think I, I kept it uh, for Democrats right now. Cornell West, 5%. That's Now, that's the Green Party. Mm-hmm. But it draws a ton of, obviously, a Cornell West is going to be drawing as the Green Party most often does from the liberals. And I don't know the tipping point or the outcome is really not the question. It's about what motivates that blue voter right now. And is the Trump hatred enough to get them to the polls or do a number of them stay home? And I don't know. I don't know that question. I don't know that answer. Because Biden has completely wrecked it. Not in a good way for the young people listening. I mean, he's just destroying everything. And he can't answer a single question in the wake of the most deadly natural disaster disaster of one of our states. No comment. And then days later... When the trip was set, hey, can you tell us about your trip to... No! Yeah. And that's why we... That's why I played... I, I'm, let me find it again here, the audio from the uh, the uh, the woman uh, from, um, uh, from Hawaii that CNN talked to because mm-hmm. it, when you hear it, it's like, whoa, yeah. this is on CNN. And, and that's... And as we said, this is a president that turned his back and turned his back... Plenty of times on Afghanistan yeah, yep. and other things that ha- Ohio, the train derailment, yep. and just said no, not going to visit. Not go-. and and eventually, does that catch up to you? Is there eventually do you get to a point where you say the guy really doesn't care? This was on CNN, mm. and this is a Maui resident. And right now, the Maui community is helping the Maui community, and I'm I'm really I'm it's really affected me because where is the president? He decides to come here this week to come here next week. I mean, like, where, where, aren't we Americans too? Like, we're part of the United States, but why are we not, why are we getting put in the back pocket? Why are we being ignored? It's powerful stuff. Well, it's, you, you look at all of the news surrounding Hawaii's fires, all the devastation. We really do grieve as a nation, but this president is not grieving. Why? Yeah, you look at that. You look at uh, there's now a lot of I got to get uh, an article. I forgot it was the New York Times and New York Post talking about the fact of how the whole migrant thing could be huge in New York right now because mm-hmm. it's going crazy. And I mentioned in Western New York last week how they Erie County decided they're not going to take any more. Uh, uh, migrants, and now it's just blowing up in New York, New York City. Well, and, and, and so, so the president in Maui this week 
but it gets back to the the situation with the train derailment. You're far behind here in the process. And the media and everyone in the White House, the entire staff knows. This is going to be a problem. Him going to Hawaii now is a risk politically. Because number one, you got to hope and pray he can stay on point mentally and verbally. And number two, you know people are going to be upset. Or the concern of Democrats, will he make it about him? Well, and there's the other thing, is arrogance. But, Look what I did. I've, I've been in, you know, because the media will be right there when he's meeting with families, when he's touring the area. Inevitably, somebody's going to ask them the question, what took you so long? And he's going to get defensive and defiant. 86690-RED-EYE. Least owner-operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth one, concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth two, more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth three, all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth four, you can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. In Toronto Radio, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, well, uh, Trump not going to show for the uh, first debate. The way I read it, it almost made it sound like he's not going to show for any debates, but most yeah, of the analysis right. was, well, at least the first debate, and we will see what happens from that point. But his reasoning was, I'm way up in the polls. I don't need to be there. How will Republicans respond to that? Trump supporters, I'm sure, are okay with it. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder, <laughs> will the polls change at all, ultimately, if he's not right. on that stage? Right. Now, you can't avoid the stage forever. Because any way you slice it, it, it's not going to look good. They'll go at the angle of, well, he doesn't want to talk about all his indictments. Or he's afraid to debate us or all the above. And you've really got to step up to a stage at some point and take on essentially everybody else. If you're on the top, 
But I do wonder what the polls will look like. You know, we've seen the rise of Ramaswamy here in the last week or two in some of the polls. Uh, and some of the polls, one of the polls, uh, was it the Emerson? Yeah, the Emerson poll that brought uh, DeSantis down to 10 and Ramaswamy at to, uh, up to 10. So in that poll, they're tied. And, of course, Trump is at 56. Now, does Trump stay way up there after the first debate? I guess we'll see. Um, but eventually you're going to have to get to a debate stage during the primary. With with looking at the polls, do Republicans even care about this debate? Do they even care? Do Republicans need to know what each candidate stands for? Or do they basically know already? Well, well, it, okay, so which gets to the bigger question. I, I, I don't know if we asked it. We've asked it before, and I don't know what election cycle it was. Do debates matter anymore? Well, I mean, the the uh, you you talk about the last debates, you know, the the uh, Democrats versus Republicans in September and October. Remember, they still find all these people that are. I forgot the comedian said, "How the hell can you be undecided? Right? Who, yeah. who are these people that the last two weeks go? Hmm. And this was back in 2020 and in yeah. 2016. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Do I want uh, Trump or do I want Hillary? Yeah. I just. I know we've been talking about it for two years, but I have not come to a decision yet. Right. Really? Who are these people and how do they think? Yeah. So, but it is, you think about that, there are the people that you have to realize there are a lot of different people and people think differently and a lot of people don't pay attention at all until the last couple of weeks. That's just the reality of politics. But here, this is a primary. This is the first debate. You're months from even the the, the first debate. Uh, 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 primary votes, do Republicans even care? Do 55% of the Republicans who support Trump even care to watch this? Well, and is it about the other candidates or is it about everything they've thrown at Trump for a lot of them where they say, look, he's already been president. That's a plus. And his economy during that time was great. Uh, I liked what he did for the economy and it really isn't about the other people that are on stage challenging him right now. This really is already for me about Trump versus Biden, and that's not going to change. I, again, conventional wisdom is gone. <laughs> no, I know. It you is. know, you can't <laughs> apply it. Well, you well, can't. no, he needs to show up to the debate stage. I just said that a few minutes ago. Eventually, he's going to, what the hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Now, what you said at the end when you were like, you know, because that's part of the thought process is, well, eventually he's, you know, going to have, Trump's eventually going to have to be part of a debate. And you said, what the hell do I know? None of the rules apply right now. 
And I started thinking about that when I started hearing things over the weekend. And I went, nah, okay, that's inside Republican uh, maybe mindset. And And this was the fact that Trump says that you need to be loyal to him, but he's not loyal to the Republican Party yeah. because he's not participating in the. And I'm like, nah, that's that's uh, eh, that's not really going to go anywhere. That argument. No, when no. I heard that argument, I went, it's not going to go anywhere because people who support Trump really could care less about the Republican establishment. Well, and, he, he, yeah, well, and exactly because that was the original swamp. You know, right. The original, and, and that's the whole thing with uh, with, um, uh, you know, DeSantis and, and the uh, the attack. Well, he didn't get rid of the swamp. And I went, yeah, but the swamp. What What's the swamp to DeSantis? What does that mean? Right. That he didn't get rid of Republican leadership or he didn't get rid of the of what we view as the swamp now. Right. Which is the rot inside the law enforcement, uh, inside law enforcement. And that's, I think, what DeSantis is sort of talking about. But that was not the original swamp. People, we, people, yeah. we, don't live in the bubble of today. The the swamp was the Republican leadership. It was after uh, Boehner left mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, Paul Ryan became speaker. The swamp was Republicans. Yeah. The swamp now is viewed as the rot inside our intelligence agencies. If you wish to call it deep state, it's the rot inside of law enforcement. It's the rot that we see inside government today. So even the definition of a swamp has changed. And I went, okay, will that stick? And my thought is you're going to have candidates that really on average don't have more than 10% of the Republican Party at the moment that wishes to vote for them. Arguing between themselves isn't going to do it. Somebody has to make an effective case against Trump. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do it with a number of things. What we mentioned earlier, and we've talked about it before. Look, his presidency was successful in the minds of Republican voters. Uh, You can say what you will about COVID, but COVID could be a wash anyway politically. It could be a wash with any given person. Not just between this group or that group. It could be a wash with one person going, well, you know what? Uh, That's likely never going to happen again. So then what do you weigh? Well, okay, what was the economy doing? I want the economy doing what it was doing. I want the end to all this uh, uh, overreach of governments and and massive overregulation, which Trump was successful at rolling back uh, quite a bit of it. Of regulation. Of regulation. So then you look at, all right, where are we right now? Where's What is the snapshot of today? And the snapshot is Biden being so horrible. It's not just who can beat Biden, but who can go in. And by the way, we mentioned last week, again, applying conventional wisdom to DeSantis and saying, all right, consensus. You do have to build a consensus within your party. And you're going to need that from time to time. Does that concern right now those 50, 55% of Republicans who are not changing? The polls aren't moving. Are they looking at that and saying, 
Eh, consensus. We'll we'll talk about that later. He's the one who can actually get a lot done on his own, which is interesting because it's kind of the same dynamic that liberals applied to Barack Obama. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to the most loyal Trump supporter you could possibly imagine. Hmm. And then I said, okay, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about the way? Can he get independents to vote for him? You, hmm. You'll vote for him. Hmm. Well, independents. Well, probably not. So you're willing to vote for him to lose the election? He said, yes. Hmm. And But he understood He understood every single – he didn't initially when I had started the conversation. Right. By the time I finished, he understood every single weakness of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I have found that out with more Trump supporters. They may be on board right now. They understand his weakness, mm-hmm. and they do fear that he can't win the election. Mm-hmm. Many do. Right. Uh, because he can't get, they believe he can't get independence. But the fact is they still want to vote for him anyway, which brings us back to 2015 and 2016. You and I actually went through all the different demographics that wish to vote for Trump. And one of the most vocal demographics that existed out there was the fact that they didn't care if Trump even won as long as he destroyed the swamp which was the leadership of the Republican Party. Yep. And as you have right now, Trump not participating again. He's not, part, not, not again, but he's not participating in the debates. That same question has come up. Well, he's not a loyal Republican. Well, I don't think a significant debate care if he's a Republican or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, DeSantis was saying we need to be about principle, not personality, not one individual. But that personality does represent certain principles. And one of the principles is the Republican Party is never going to be is never going to be what we want them to be. So we might as well destroy them in the process. If the Democrats get elected again, that's okay. We've destroyed the we've hopefully we've destroyed the Republican Party. It existed back when Trump ran in 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. It's not talked about as much now. I don't know if it's as strong as it was back then. I would sense that it's not, Well, but, but, but it hasn't disappeared. It still exists within many Trump supporters. Or has it morphed, and it could be a combination of the two, into, listen, if the Republican Party is destroyed by, by this, I don't care because what have they done for me? What have they done lately? What have they done in recent years? What is their track no, record? No, you're right. And when you apply that, it's it's like, well, the intention may not be to destroy the party, but if it happens to actually go that way, then I'm not going to cry about it because I'm going to stick by my principles. I'm going to go with, and in this case, the tried and true. He's not the outsider, but yet he's still being treated. This is the difference. He's being treated as the underdog outsider. By the left, they're setting him up in all these attacks and all the indictments as a guy who doesn't know how to navigate inside the beltway. Comey actually said it. When we sent our two FBI agents, one of them was struck, to go and talk to Michael Flynn at the White House, they were new. They didn't know we needed to go through, we should have gone through. White House counsel, they look at him as a noob. 
They look at him as somebody who is absolutely clueless and also realize that he's very responsive to anything. We throw something at him, we're going to get a reaction out of him. Like this is a Wall Street Journal from yesterday. Mr. Trump clearly thinks he has a nomination all but wrapped up, and judging by the current polls, he has reason to think so. But what message is he sending about the loyalty he thinks GOP voters owe him? I don't think that's a concern. I don't, they, I don't think so goes, It would mean the grand old party is going to nominate for the third time a man who has been indicted four times on 91 felony counts. We don't mean despite being indicted. We mean he's being nominated. He will be nominated because he's been yeah, indicted. Right. In order to spite the Democrats for their partisan prosecutions, GOP voters would be doing exactly what Democrats and the press corps want them to do. Democrats want Republicans to nominate the man who has shown over the last three national elections that he is the greater voter turnout machine for the Democratic Party since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What they're saying is nobody turns out Democrats like Trump. Hmm. Republican voters say they like that Mr. Trump is a fighter, but whom is he fighting for, them or himself? He would carry into the general election more baggage than the British royals, yet Mr. Trump expects GOP voters to nominate him with even so much as a primary debate, much less a real nominating contest. So there are still five months before the Iowa caucuses. So we hear this all the time. And like I say, when I Trump, when I talk to Trump voters, they know this. Mm-hmm. They know it. Mm-hmm. They know they're they're not dumb. It's not like okay, Trump, 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 and no, he's really going to zoom in and get all independents. They know that if they vote for Trump, there's a great chance he will lose. Yeah, even right. to Biden or Harris. Right. They understand that because they not they're not stupid. They know he can't get independence and he can't get them now. That's that day including with economic and national security aides, and also sat for an unrelated interview with podcaster Jay Shetty about mental health generally. Was yeah. that was that written yesterday? Uh, this did, yeah, it came across yesterday. Yeah. So they're still trying to set up this wall completely, that it's all about Hunter Biden, yeah. and there is no worry in the White House about Joe Biden, it's all about Hunter. There's, wow, that's amazing that they're still sticking to this wall thing that Republicans are trying to drag the president in this, you know, somehow unfairly because this is all about Hunter Biden. And yeah, right. none of it's about Hunter Biden. No, really, none of it's about Hunter Biden to the Republicans. No, they don't. Nobody, I, nobody cares about Hunter Biden. It's what is this president currently compromised because he has been compromised. For the last 15 years. Yeah, right. I mean, this is the problem. And and, and in, in this case, you have to ignore, you have to ignore the, because, it's, and you you were the one that said it last week. And and there's, or maybe it was earlier this week, when, when, when you said, they're still trying to separate and saying, well, Joe didn't take any money, Joe, did, it's simply Hunter, Hunter's the only one that's corrupt, and you made the great point. No, the nine family members are also corrupt because they all received money through the fake companies, the LLCs that were set up to transfer money. So the entire Biden family is corrupt. 
except stupid Joe, who everybody is manipulating. That's the story you're supposed to buy. Exactly. And because the only defense otherwise would be, well, no, Hunter falsely set up those accounts in their names and they didn't know about it. Well, now you're throwing Hunter under a massive legal bus and, and accusing him in your defense. You're accusing him of committing even more crimes that he has yet to be charged with. Right, because what, he set up accounts under false names? Yeah, that, that would be all bank these, fraud. All, all these family You're members? Accused, you, so in defending him, <laughs> in defending the other family members, right. what you're doing is accusing Hunter Biden of bank fraud. So there's no, there is nowhere to go on that. There is no, if you're saying, well, no, it, it shows his wrongdoing. No, it shows the rest of the family, all, those, all of the family members that received money. So the entire family's corrupt and is are simply manipulating and using Joe because yeah. they believe he's a complete idiot who has no idea what's going on. Exactly. So the entire family in this close family where everybody love, love, love mm-hmm. is malip- manipulating the idiot father and grandfather. Right. And brother. Yeah. So is that what's happening? His Democrats? entire family is corrupt, but not him. And they're all using him right. in this family that loves. Yeah, it's only about love. Eight love six, is love. Love is love. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. You are listening to Red Eye Radio live from the Uniden America studio. Uniden, social media at its best. Go to Uniden.com today. If you drive a big rig, you know that more time on the road means more money in your pocket. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running and save you money in the long run. Trade up to Shell Rotella and you'll get superior protection against engine wear. That means less time in the shop and more time on the road. It also means you'll get more chances to see North America's finest roadside attraction, cows, cornfields, cows in cornfields. It's lovely this time of year. Shell Rotella's advanced synthetic technology also offers extended drain intervals, helping your rig go farther between oil changes. So you'll make less pit stops. Well, unless you need to restock on snacks, we really can't help you with that. But if you're looking to help your big rig engine live longer, look no further. Superior protection, less maintenance. That's what you can expect from the number one heavy-duty engine oil in North America. Shell Rotella for the long haul. Explore the full lineup of Shell Rotella products at rotella.com slash long haul. At Denny's, value starts at $5.99. Whether you're flying solo or want a chill date night on a budget, we're turning up the volume on value with delicious meals that never sacrifice flavor for a good deal. It's time to celebrate with our 70th anniversary buttermilk pancakes, our quarter pound 100% beef burger, or everyone's favorite, the Super Slam. Looking for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or late night starting at $5.99? At Denny's, it's diner time. Price participation may vary. No substitutions. At Progressive Commercial, we know a trucker's time is money. And, well, there's a lot that can impact your time on the road. Like that 2004 sedan who didn't want to merge two miles back when everyone else did. Their bumper sticker may say peace, but their actions say otherwise. We can't save you from selfish drivers, but we can help safe customers save over $2,700 on average when they share their ELD data with us. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Safe customers based on FMCSA inspections, driving history, and other data or for higher transportation. Not available in all states. If you're a trucking industry professional, then you need to stay on top of changing regulations, equipment upgrades, and technology advancements. Fleet Owner Magazine gives you all of this and more. Written for fleet executives and managers, Fleet Owner gives you the business intelligence on operations, vehicle maintenance, regulations, and information technology you need to stay ahead. But that's not all. With its monthly print publication, daily and weekly email newsletters, and a website updated several times a day, Fleet Owner has all the latest news and information delivered to you when you want it and where you want it. From industry experts to award-winning writers and columnists, Fleet Owner is the number one source for trucking information in North America. Remember to visit FleetOwner.com every day for the latest industry news. You can also sign up to receive Newsline, their free email newsletter, and subscribe to Fleet Owner magazine. Visit FleetOwner.com. Fleet Owner, for news you can use. Use. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. Coast One Tax Group, protecting your bank, home, and your sleep since 2008. With hundreds of five-star reviews and an A-plus on the Better Business Bureau. Call Coast One Tax Group, 800 312 312-9970. Stanley from New York owed $93,000. The IRS placed a levy on his bank account. Coast One released the levy and settled with the IRS for $2,000. Mark in Michigan owed $225,000. After Coast One stepped in, Mark walked away paying less than $1,500. Call Coast One now. A 10-minute call can save you up to 93% on your back taxes. Get your fresh start today. That's 800-312-9970. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now, 800-785-9132. That's 800-785-9132. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-785-9132. Front Eye Radio, he is Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Thank you for uh, being here this morning. I just, uh, Jessalini at CNN, I just saw the uh, the headline. Research will show that Americans don't care about Hunter Biden unless it somehow ties into Joe Biden. Well, welcome to the conversation. <laughs> we're, we're glad, Jeff, we're glad that you're into the conversation of what Republicans really care about Republicans don't care about Hunter Biden. They never have. That's the lie 
that they tried to tell you or imply right. that, well, they're so concerned about Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's not the president. No, it concerns the tie-in to the in, the enrichment of the Biden family because mm-hmm. of influence peddling. It's all about Joe. It always has been. Well, it's like Washington Post, you know, basically implying that there are political ramifications for Hunter. Yeah. Did you even proofread that? (laughs) Do you know know that he does not serve in public office and never has? Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, anybody at the Washington Post listening to WMAL, you know, do you understand that Hunter Biden is not the president and not in politics? Right. I, we know the late night people are there, but you might want to get it to the editors yeah. to let yeah. them know that yeah. well, the political problems of he's not a politician. Right. It's not about him. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right. This is a this week is a perfect example of the difference between, uh, I think, most conservative media and the mainstream media. You've seen it uh, uh, this this week that uh, when the Trump charges came down, I don't know any conservative outlet that didn't go point by point by point by point on all the charges. You think about right. this. When, yeah. when Trump, with the whole Russia collusion, conservatives covered that every single day. What are the charges against it? If you want to know the difference between the 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 uh, the true journalistic media and even conservative media because we consider ourselves conservative libertarians mm-hmm. but the one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to you know number one not report a story we've never been to we've never been uh okay let's ignore this story because it might hurt hurt our preconceived narrative right because we don't have any preconceived narratives we're looking for the truth we as conservative libertarians don't believe we've got a lie. No. I don't ha- I don't have to get along with anybody. No. Nope. I don't owe anybody. I'm not in debt to anybody where okay, we're going to ignore this story because it doesn't fit our particular narrative. Well, the only narrative I have is the truth and my conservative principles, which my conservative principles as you and I've often stated we don't need to lie. The left has to lie. I don't have to lie. Nope. You know, and what a great thing that is. Must be tough to be on the left where you know you're constantly lying all the time. Because one of the greatest things I know, because, man, I'm telling you, when I was a teenager, oh, man, I was a liar. Mm. You know, if that Henry Rollins song that came out in the 90s, remember Liar, where mm-hmm. you would scream it. There's the, the flames all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was that was me. I was the big my dad. Uh, I, I he still gets a kick out of it. Kick out of it today. 
there's somebody that we know in, in, in our life and knew back then that was the biggest BSer. Mm. And my father really, you know, it wasn't that my father would call me a liar because obviously he knew when I was lying. Liars, <laughs> what you find out is liars really don't have a huge self-awareness, do they, of what's actually surrounding them? No. They don't realize the people that lie all the time and everybody knows they're lying. Nobody lets them know they're lying, mm. but we all know they're lying. But my well, father eventually they get called on it. Yeah, eventually, yeah. And but my father would just say, "Stop being this person." Mm-hmm. And we all knew, we agreed, the guy was the biggest BSer. Oh, that burned. Mm. That really, really hurt. But when I think one of the greatest times in anybody's life is when you wake up one day and say, "You know, there's no need for me to lie about anything in my life. Why do I have to? What a great relief." I remember as a teenager that it's like, okay, what do I got to say to this person? Because I can't remember all the lies I've told over the last week. Mm. How do I approach this person over there? I'm I'm a recovering liar. <laughs> Everybody lies. But I don't have to work at it every day anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. Um, the left has to get more creative in their lies. As liars often do, if you're cornered, then you have to start reshaping the lie. Or as we say, moving the goalpost. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre's made a career out of it. Well, and, and so, like I said, that's why we get upset when we view people that call themselves conservatives. When they lie, we go, stop it. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. You don't need to do that. And you don't need to defend people that lie, even if you agree with them on the issues. You don't have to defend their lies. It, you can, you there's can, no you reason can call for you to own right. something that they did. But if you look at this week, all the conservative media covered point by point by point the minutia of the charges. Mm-hmm. Nobody avoided it. No. Nobody avoided it. And, and on Russia collusion, they did. Whether it's the true journalistic media, which the true journalistic media coming out now might not when you look at it, might be more of those, you know, if you look at the Turleys, if you look at the Matt Taibis, if you look at the Barry Weisses, who are liberal but believe in reporting the truth of a story, not that they are more moral than we conservatives who don't wish to lie, but the fact is they're going against the peer pressure that exists. Mm-hmm. Right now on the left that you've got to follow the narrative as a matter got to lie, got to do whatever you've got to do, you've got to do. And they're not doing it. And there takes a certain you know level of guts to do that, especially in today's society, mm-hmm. because they have been they have been majorly shunned, even though they say well, we're Democrats and we're liberals. But, you know, we need to have journalistic integrity and we need to tell the truth. You and I've talked about this many times. Biggest problem in this country is not racism. Right. It's not transphobia or homophobia. No, it's the acceptance. And it's not just lying. It's the acceptance of lying by the public. That's what I view as the biggest problem right now in this country, because it's all over the place. But the difference is. The difference, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that call themselves conservatives that 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 uh, that uh, don't lie. There are. Mm hmm. And Mm -hmm. we call them out when we see them do that Mm -hmm. because and it frustrates us because we don't believe there is. Well, not believe we know there's no reason the conservatives ever have to lie about where they stand. 
They yeah. don't. Right. But if you've seen over the last, you know, on, on how conservatives cover things versus the mainstream media, the liberal media, remember the whole Devin Archer thing? I think Kevin Tober uh, probably covered it on, uh, he covers so much mm. on uh, Newsbusters, but they didn't touch it. Devin Archer's testifying, you know, the deposition and all the stuff comes out and they just won't cover it. If you want to know the difference between the conservative media and the liberal media, it's right there. Now, you may have the conservative, you may, when we cover something, you may disagree with our analysis, but we cover it. Yeah. There's so much going on, as you have seen. And, and Joe Biden is the perfect example, starting with the laptop way back then. Who are the people that wish to keep information away from you? Who are the people that claim that they are your saviors when it comes to stopping disinformation? Yet when you look back, as we do now, whether it's COVID, the laptop, whatever, they were the ones attempting to censor the truth. And at the same time they were censoring the truth, they were promoting the lie. Yep. Because you can't find two bigger issues where you have had the culture of willing to of being willing to censor and lie half of the country which is the democrats and the media actively promoting the lie and telling you the opposite that they were against disinformation and they were the sole purveyors of the truth when they were the exact opposite of it and so you have to ask, forget about even getting to the issues you've got to ask yourself a question Why does the mainstream media and the Democrats, why do they insist on censoring information from the adults in our society? Because I can hear, I already know what the argument is. Mm. Well, uh, the the, uh, Republicans don't want, uh, uh, you know, five-year-olds to know uh, about things about sex, so uh, they censor too. Adults. Yeah, adults. Right. Just to cover that, just to cover our bases on it. Yeah. Well, you don't want the young kids to know everything, so you're censoring do. I'm trying to sound maybe like John Kerry there, mm-hmm. I know, but I don't know if I'm or or uh, John John Kerry Gump. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for people to recognize that. And you know that's all you know Matt Taibbi when they came forward. Can't think of the other guy that came forward too. Just his name popped out of my head. Michael Schellenberger? Michael Schellenberger, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Jonathan Turley. Yeah. A Dershowitz. Right. You know, all coming forward, people on the left saying, we got to tell the truth. We've got to stop lying. Yeah. you got to stop lying on the left. Stop lying. Stop trying to censor. If you're going to back up what you believe, back it. Why do you have to lie about what you believe? Why do you have to? And, and everything, when you think about it right now, from the border to electric vehicles, to the grid. I mean, we dealt with it today. It was like, okay, is this the day that we start having to have rolling, you know, brownouts or blackouts right. in the state of Texas because the warning started coming down earlier, you know, yesterday morning. Uh-oh, the wind isn't blowing. What are we going to do? Everything from the lies of and, and the continuing lies of climate change that never have come true. Right. Uh, to the fact that we can run the, the grid on solar and wind. Everybody knows it's a lie. Why do you allow your side to promote something that's so stupidly a lie? Why do you support your party for censoring 
Why are you afraid of the truth? I'm not afraid of the truth. I've got no problem. Look, right now we're going through it. We're going through. You've, you've got Republicans and conservatives going through a thing of should we have our loyalty to Trump or should our loyalty be to promoting the issues and winning long term? Eric and I have been blunt. The conservative movement will continue without me, without Eric, without Trump, yep, without anybody who currently is in the Republican Party right now. The conservative movement will continue. It's not about the people it's about that, the ideas. That, that, are, that are articulated at one particular point, even though they can be important to pushing something forward. And all three of those people were very important in pushing a lot of positive things of where the country should be going. Trump, number three. I'm number two. Eric, number one. <laughs> mm, always. Okay, I couldn't even take, I couldn't even handle that one. Mm. Um but uh but yeah but you know we we've got on Trump for we've been got on Trump many times for lying. I'll never forget the woman that called the show one time. Trump has never lied. Well that was a lie. <laughs> I'll never forget what she called. Trump has never lied, ever. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Everybody lies. And there's the problem is is that, you know, if well, everybody, Look, everybody, even, everybody doesn't lie. No, everybody lies. Eventually, they lie. When it comes to the issues, um, I, everybody may lie. Everybody tells a white speaking, lie. You know, generally lie. speaking, everybody lies. Yeah, and so there's you know, but there's the problem. You don't have to jump out and defend somebody else's lie. You don't have to politically jump out and defend anybody else but yourself and your own actions. When was the last but, time when was the last time you lied about something that related to an issue on the radio? I don't lie on the radio. Okay. I only lie to you when we're, when the mic is on. Well no, that that's the only point I'm trying to bring up. Everybody because we all tell white lies to mm-hmm. for example, you're talking to a kid, you're not going to tell them the full truth because you wish to protect them. Mm-hmm. That's Santa different. Claus is real. Yeah. yeah, I'm exactly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, many Americans actually believe that lie that <laughs> Santa mm-hmm. Claus does exist mm-hmm. in a different way. Hey, yeah. the, there's free stuff out there. Still a lie. Yeah. Now, now yeah. that may be whether it's a lie or just they're clueless and ignorant as to how things actually work would be a great debate. But that's the point I'm trying to make that line on on the issues in the media and in politics about the issues that are important to us. Well, and, not but, just in- but here's but my point is is that people are okay with the lies because as long as their lies aren't going to be called out, they're not going to be called out for any of their lies that they tell, then they think, okay, well, I don't care if they lie. It is very clear when somebody who is in public office is lying. Eventually, it is very clear when they keep repeating the lie, and more and more, it is proven that, well, of course he knew about his son's business dealings. But they're okay with it because the lie facilitates something, and they're part of it. So they excuse it away that way. And that's the problem. I've always lived by the standard politically that I don't have to get out and jump in, even if I voted for the person. Right. I don't have to jump in. I'm not their defense lawyer. 
In fact, I'm going to hold their feet to the fire. I'm probably going to be more frustrated with them if I believe they're lying about something or they're doing something that I disagree with because it's not why I voted for them. So they're going against what they promised to do. They're going against the principles and morals of the people who widely supported them. And those are the things we talk Mm -hmm. about on the left. That doesn't apply. Tell me what principles and morals that they hold their elected officials to and expect them to follow through with. Oh, I do remember a lie you told Hmm. on the air. Yeah. About your your time with Aerosmith. I know. It was only eight years, not nine. (laughs) But what are you going to do? But when you look at coverage... Mm -hmm. And you look at everything from, you know, because you, you go back to, you know, the Trump campaign in 2015 and whatever. Right. And you look at, you know, Russia collusion. I don't know of one conservative outlet that didn't cover that in specific details. There's nothing on the right that compares to the wanting to censor and not cover what's going on in society like the mainstream media and the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Nothing has ever existed to this to this level with that culture that exists. Not conspiracy, but the culture that exists, that it's okay to do that. And you ask yourself, why? Because to me, that is such a foreign thing. I believe what I believe because I truthfully believe it's the best way. Mm-hmm. If you have to lie, then you don't actually believe. No, you don't believe it. That what your party is doing is the best way to do things because otherwise you wouldn't have to lie. Why are we lying about the border? Well, why do the Democrats lie about the border? Why, we're, why? why are we lying about genders? Why are we trying yeah. to just yeah. make something real that isn't real? Party of science? Why? To get along? To go along with what the last person whispered in my ear, and I've got to repeat it again. How many genders are there, Mr. Biden? Three. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the best. You are so wrong. <laughs> and nobody called him out in, on his bigotry. Exactly. Somebody should have asked him, what's the third one? Yeah, and the left still voted for him. <laughs> wow. Eight six six ninety red eye Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Denny's is here to serve America's professional truck drivers, providing a hot down-home meal on the go. Order ahead at Denny's.com today. Hours in participating restaurants may vary. At Hotshot Secret, we share the science behind common diesel problems. For example, fuel additives. Most fuel additives either impact performance or provide protection. Hotshot Secret Everyday Diesel Treatment provides both performance enhancement and fuel system protection. Everyday Diesel Treatment delivers a six-in-one premium fuel treatment for every fill-up, every time. Everyday Diesel Treatment is available at truck stops and online at hotshotsecret.com. Hotshot Secret, powered by science. Red Eye Radio and our sponsors are devoted to trucking safety. That's why we are proud to bring you the Red Eye Radio Million Mile Club. 
We've been saluting drivers who have surpassed the million-mile mark with preventable accident-free driving. By reaching this milestone, you can be a part of an elite club of drivers who share remarkable safety records and demonstrate superior driving skills. If you or someone you know is a truck driver with a million miles or more of driving under your belt without a preventable accident, register online at RedEyeRadioShow.com. That's RedEyeRadioShow.com. The Red Eye Radio Million Mile Club would not be possible without the generous support of the fine folks from Petro Stopping Centers, Howes Lubricator, Motel 6, the St. Christopher Fund, and Cat Scale. We applaud the individual truckers and fleets who drive with care and keep our highways safe. The Red Eye Radio Million Mile Club, devoted to trucking safety. Register online at RedEyeRadioShow.com. You know, truck drivers play a critical role in our economy, hauling almost everything we buy. These men and women are the unsung heroes and the backbone of America. When our heroes need support, they turn to the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund. The St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund is a 501c3 truck driver charity that steps in to cover necessity household items when an injury or illness takes a driver off the road. Learn more and donate today at truckersfund.org. That's truckersfund.org. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now, 800-785-9132. That's 800-785-9132. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-785-9132. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. Coast One Tax Group, protecting your bank, home, and your sleep since 2008. With hundreds of five-star reviews and an A-plus on the Better Business Bureau. Call Coast One Tax Group, 800-312-9970. Stanley from New York owed $93,000. The IRS placed a levy on his bank account. Coast One released the levy and settled with the IRS for $2,000. Mark in Michigan owed $225,000. After Coast One stepped in, Mark walked away paying less than $1,500. Call Coast One now. A 10-minute call can save you up to 93% on your back taxes. Get your fresh start today. That's 800-312-9970. It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McMurray. Reading this headline, we'll talk about it. Uh, Ford preparing white-collar workers to fill parts orders if UAW strikes. Uh, you know, we've really uh, talked about this, and we had some great uh, calls from 
UAW workers earlier, earlier this week because we talked about the absurdity of where unions are right now. Unions no longer, the UAW is no longer looking to share the profits of companies. What they wish to do is have the taxpayer give them a living wage because of the subsidies and because of the mandating of electric vehicles, even with the subsidies, car companies can't make a profit on it. And so at these electric car companies, when the transition is made, the workers are making a lot less, excuse me, a lot less money and they're furious. Yeah. Right. But your leaders, your leaders have been promoting the climate change crap with the Democrats for years. You understand the UAW, and I know if you're a rank-and-file member, it's not what you want, but you've been paying your dues over the years Mm -hmm. to leadership that has been promoting what has gotten you to the situation that you're in right now. How did you not see it coming over the years? How was there not an uprising with union members to say, we can't keep doing this is going to kill the business model and this is going to end our jobs ultimately now it's red eye radio Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. So I see from the New York Times that Brett Baer called Trump at least four times trying to get him to be part of the debate. Oh, yeah. Huh. Well... <laughs> And it's funny because I've seen stories saying Trump's definitely out of the first and he implies he's out of all the rest. And then I've seen the headlines, Trump will not be in any of the debates. Right. So, yeah. Well, look, um, here's here's a question. hmm. Will this question come up? How come you are willing to endorse whoever the (laughs) nominee is, including Donald Trump, when he would not say the same about you or will they just will they say we're not going to go there is fox just going to say let's do issues i don't see how you don't go to trump though because he's not there well and the candidates are going to want to have they're going to either want to compliment him well well, or criticize him think about it Mm -hmm. um while there's only what what they limit the replay to three minutes total I don't know if that – I have only saw that one story, and I've never seen it again. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. see that anywhere else either. But, you know, you – typically what they want is they want all the replay. I mean, not the entire rebroadcast of it, but they want the sound bites. What's going to get the sound bites? Trump. What they say about Trump. So if he's not on stage, the second best thing you can do – is to get them to talk about Trump or attack Trump. And those are your sound bites. I mean, (laughs) we're rewriting all the playbooks here 
And I think especially during this political season, you, you can say that is the case. I, I don't know what applies and what doesn't. Conventional wisdom doesn't really apply, uh, doesn't necessarily apply. Well, you think about it, you know, the first and the first debate, uh, here we go. Here is Ramaswamy yeah. criticizing Haley mm-hmm. on her position of of revitalizing Social Security. Mm-hmm. Snore. I don't, it's not, honestly, unless one of them curses. <laughs> Christy. <laughs> he might be the one. Get him to curse. He might be the one. Uh, but I, otherwise, all of the sound bites of interest are going to be what they say about Trump. For two reasons. Because Trump is leading the polls. He's dominating. And so you got to punch up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what you have to do. And they want to do that to some extent. But I do think there has to be consideration. And again, <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> that's going to be my new catchphrase because no conventional wisdom applies. But if you're applying it at least early on because you really don't have any other direction, then you have to go after him, and you go after him on another thing, uh, on a number of things, and and the indictments aren't going to be it because you have to know right now for his base, those work for him. With all the indictments in place right now, his numbers have not changed. So you don't go down that road of saying, "Well, no, it was right that they indicted him." You you say it, and like a couple of I think DeSantis has said it a couple of times, and you just said, and then you just move on. Listen, we'll see what happens, but uh, this is clearly the uh, two-tier justice system at play, and I don't think it's fair, And but you move on, and what I would like to focus on is blah, 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 and you go, you go that direction. Um, but where do you attack Trump? Well, DeSantis has already gone after him on, you know, Fauci, right? Uh, gone after him on because DeSantis has to defend himself on what Trump throws at him. And some of that has been on COVID. And so, you know, there are things that are that are going to be in play, but I don't know that much of it makes an interesting soundbite. It's just the only thing you have if Trump is not on that stage, you know, and so then you have <laughs> You know, Tucker Carlson talking with Trump. That's going to get some serious views. That's going to to get, uh, what was the the latest one um, where it came in and he had, I don't know, like 30 million views. Well, 30 million, an audience of 30 million is the multiple daylights on top of what he had. Maybe not collectively. If you add in when he was at Fox News, his TV show, along with anything that he did on digital, along with um, any uh, uh, anything that that they put out as a as a video, you know, that made it to other media there there. It could add up to 30 million. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but there's no doubt that having Trump on is going to get you those views. And they know at Fox News. Well, 
they're not going to have the audience they would have had if Trump were on that stage. You know, I just I thought one point I wanted to bring up. I was we all saw over the weekend. I'm sure the Ramaswamy Ten Commandments. Yeah, you know, right. which is number one, God is real. Number two, there are two uh, there are two genders. Number three, human flourishing requires fossil fuels. Number four, reverse racism is racism. Number five, an open border is no border. Number six, parents determine the education of their children. Seven, the nuclear family is the greatest form of government known to mankind. Number eight, capitalism lifts people up from poverty. Number nine, there are three branches of government, not four. I didn't know specifically what I, I, what tact is he on there. Is the fourth the press, the media? Uh, it, it, what yeah, was, what, it was he res- what was he responding yeah. to? I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure where he was going there. And ten, the U.S. Constitution is the strongest guarantor of freedoms uh, in uh, in history. And I started thinking about this because we saw the other day when he was talking to the one uh, LGBTQ woman who asked him the question about uh, you know about the whole transgender movement, and he gave such a superb answer. One thing he never did was use the word woke. I I think one thing that Republicans need to do, Republicans, you know, and DeSantis, for example, for so much woke was the first thing out of his mouth over and over and over and over again, which then Democrats started saying, see, they're using this term woke. What does it actually mean? And you and I had said, stop using those terms. Explain. You, you can convince your base that you are with them by explaining where you stand on the issues to all independents. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah, right. Yeah. Am I? And I'm just. Am, am I wrong on that? No, I, I don't think I am. You can explain. You can sit there. You don't need to use the woke term. You don't need to use any slang. All you need to do is explain to people, and that's why Ramaswamy was so good in that in that uh, video cut that was out there, because he just went point by point by point by point by point. I really think that all Republicans need to talk in the language of specifics. Mm. And, you know, he, uh, you know, number four here, reverse racism is racism. You and I have said it all the time. Racism is now, racism is now being an anti-racist. Racism is when, and it's how we explain things by not using phrases, but by explaining what the idea actually is. Okay, uh, by the way, with Ramaswamy, the fourth branch of government, the administrative state, which... Oh, okay. He says goes further than uh, the drain the swamp uh, that that uh, of course Trump uh, used uh, and deep state. He says he will do it unilaterally, ending civil service protections by executive order, imposing eight year term limits on federal positions, shuttering the education department, and replacing the FBI and the IRS and other agencies. That that. That's a huge okay. The bureaucratic. No, yeah, that's a great yeah, point. That's a great and great point. I just the notion okay. that those elected to government should actually run the government is central to his campaign. So, yeah. No, but that's a, but that's some but that's something that relates you that when you explain it that way, mm-hmm. you know, and and that relates to the average person as well as all conservatives. Which yeah, is yeah. the laws are made by the people we are elected. Right. Government shouldn't be, and, and even Congress should not be saying, you are an executive branch department and you've got this wide leeway. Mm-hmm. 
to make mm-hmm. these decisions. Because remember, it wasn't Biden that came up with the forgiveness of student loans. It was the education department. Right. Yeah. You know, so this right. is the department. Yeah. But they're yeah. doing things that Congress should do. Well, Congress gave us wide berth. Well, Congress shouldn't give you wide berth. But the court said, no, Congress did not give you that wide berth. And that's why they lost that particular case. Mm-hmm. And that's a great example of of the uh, you know the the bureaucrats who are appointed actually making law. That's a big problem, and I think conservatives sure. see it. Sure. I think average Americans can see it if you explain it to them that way. Right. Great yeah. point. Well, and yeah, I mean, you look at that with uh, Department of Education. Uh, you look at that with pretty much every department, and then you just say, well. That was Secretary So-and-so. That was their initiative. Right. And you kind of hide it over in that corner. Well, no, it's your agenda. Yeah, nobody takes responsibility for it. Exactly. It exists, but the education department, and I heard some buying people, the edu- the president didn't come up with the idea to, uh, to to do this. He's in favor of it, but this was from the education department. Yeah. Well, who the hell do you talk to in the education department who's going to answer that question for you? Right, exactly. And, and. Then you get into the uh, situation that a number of the courts have had along the way, including, um, uh, I don't know if there's a specific case lately of the Supreme Court having an issue, but certainly um, other federal courts having an issue with the procedural items of when a department has a rulemaking. And they just circumvent the rulemaking process altogether. They go through it knowing the court may kick it back. And then they can do a rulemaking announcement, uh, notice a proposed rulemaking uh, officially, and then go through that process and keep the thing in play for a long time. Well, you might get halfway through uh, an entire term of a president before that sees the light of day in a courtroom. Or, as we, you know, talked about a number of things, even with George W. Bush, you know, signing something into law, you know, and knowing that it was parts of it were unconstitutional. It takes years to get there. Now, that's different than an administrative move, but they know with administrative moves as well, it takes a long time to get to that decision. And you could be a year and a half, two years into it, and then hope that the court will say, well, but it's already in play and if we don't allow this, it's going to affect a lot of people. And you're referring to McCain-Feingold. McCain-Feingold, with Bush, yep. right. Yep. When he when he just said, I know parts of it are unconstitutional, but I'll let the courts work out. And that was one of the days that uh, I might have uh, blown my top again mm-hmm. because no president should ever say that to the American public. Right. I know parts of it are constitutional, but I'm going to sign it anyway. And it took, what, five years to get to yeah. the Supreme Court? Well, yeah. that's on the administrative move. They they're hoping, well, let's get called on an administrative uh, procedural issue and that will send it back down to us and we can start over again. That basically kicks the can further down the road. And you get and you try and build the political will of, hey, we're doing this and the court shut me down. I mean, his weather channel uh, channel interview uh, was that week before last (laughs) Well, I'm trying to shut down because it was all about climate change. Right. I mean, they're not the Weather Channel anymore. They're the Climate Change Channel. That's what they are. Let's be very clear about it. They give two flips about your forecast. It's about climate change, the entire agenda. So that entire interview was about climate change. No, I'm trying to shut down drilling on the 
on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the Gulf, but the courts keep shutting me down. And they, they again, they can point the finger somewhere else when they want it for a win, but they can also, if someone's saying, well, he did this, oh, no, that was his energy secretary. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not-driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, when looking at this debate that Trump isn't going to be at, and if Trump isn't going to be at the the uh, the majority of the debates, as if I'm a political consultant working for one of the other candidates, I'm looking and and I say to myself, remember when Trump attacked DeSantis and said things like New York was better during COVID yeah. than Florida, right? Well, that's such an absurd statement made by Trump. And then, of course, DeSantis attacked back. Is that the one weak spot that Trump has with Republicans that can be used effectively towards him, even if unfair? Because early on with COVID, nobody had any idea what was going on. I I think what helps to shape that maybe or give it more power give it more leverage for the other candidates is where things go from this point on and in the coming months on COVID of what was known, how much money went into it because they'll try and carve out that time of when, you know, Fauci had that kind of control uh, and blah, blah, blah. And that was all during Trump years, how far it goes with the voter. I don't know. But, but, you're, I, but you're looking as a Republican for anything that would be effective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can just see it. You, I, I would make it simple, and it has to relate to Fauci because yeah. you would need yeah. to relate it not to what happened, but to the individual that is being blamed for and, and quite effectively being blamed by, uh, by Rand Paul. Mm-hmm. Nobody is yeah. defending Fauci right. now. Right. Fauci's not even defending no, Fauci no, now. No. And you bring and since Trump opened the door 
with his attack by making the absurd statement that New York handled uh, COVID better than uh, Florida. You you lead with that, and then you say he came out with that absurd statement because you know he's the guy. He's the guy that Fauci went and did everything that Fauci did. And you don't even have to say much more than Fauci. You don't have to get into specifics. No, that's, I, you that's just exactly say, what I was thinking. I think yeah. Trump. I think Fauci. Yeah. I think yeah. I think COVID. I think the masks. I think of the shutdowns. I think of Trump. I think of Fauci. Is would that? And you're looking. I'm not saying it will work. I'm saying what else? When it comes to Republicans on an issue that is in the minds of Americans now that COVID is you know, blipping up a little bit and you hear the Democrats talking about, well, it's time for mask mandates again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow. Try to sell that to well, the American no, I mean, people now. If there's anything during his presidency that is the Achilles heel, it is that. It's yeah. COVID and the way it was handled. And if you want to bring vaccines into it, look, they well, were rushed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Trump and, and say Trump says he won't talk about vaccines anymore. Why right. not? Yeah, right. threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Expect to hear that a lot over the next uh, year about uh, Republicans, a threat to democracy. We played earlier that Minnesota governor saying the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Republicans are a threat to democracy. Yeah. It's like, oh. yeah. Uh, don't know Don't know if, the, if they've workshopped that or, mm. uh, you know, with uh, the, the pollsters or whatever. But just going back, just briefly looking at this debate coming up with Trump not there. I mean, what do you do? The 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 two things, the two things that that are criticisms of Trump that I believe are open to use. One would be the whole chaos thing. Now, DeSantis has talked about that. Whether yeah. you think about it or not, there's so much chaos he can't get elected, and if he doesn't get elected, Biden's in power. So they can all talk about that for a while, but that isn't issue based. When you yeah. when you talk yeah. about issues on the vast majority of the issues, as we've stated before, Trump is basically a moderate, except the fact on things like uh, where where moderates agreed as recently as seven eight years ago, even in the Democratic Party when moderates existed, that we need to secure the border. Uh, you know, the, so the wall and 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 things like that. Nobody's gonna, nobody from the Republican Party in this debate is gonna say, uh, "Well, Trump was wrong on what he tried to do with securing the border." Right. You know, when when yeah. DeSantis, when DeSantis says, "Well, he didn't build the border, and he promised he'd do that, or he didn't build the border, he didn't he didn't build, build the, wall. the wall." Yeah. Well, damn, because people knew he, I we knew he couldn't build the wall alone. We knew it. And so we knew that wasn't going to happen because he didn't even have the support of everybody in, in, in Congress. But that's understood, I think, especially by most Republicans who are paying attention in a debate. The only thing I look at would be, again, the whole chaos argument that he can't win and he can't get independence, which is more of a political analysis than, 
you know, a politician going after another politician. But on an issue, the only issue where I see there's an opening, and I do believe it's because Trump opened up that door when he went after DeSantis, and then he went after DeSantis a second time and said, New York State handled COVID better Mm -hmm, than Florida. mm -hmm. You just went, you just jumped a big shark there. Uh, And and then DeSantis went, you know, went back at him, you know, listen to this guy and what he's saying. Is that the one thing? Because what's going to stick out of this? It doesn't matter if Nikki Haley goes after Tim Scott for, I don't know, bill number 2223 on uh, whether you think uh, climate change is involved in worse injuries in football. Mm-hmm. By the way, I expect that to come up probably sooner or later. Yeah, why not? The climate change and the artificial turf and that they needed because the grass wouldn't grow. <laughs> they can come up with something. But I mean, and and so what? What sticks? The only thing you really have that you could pound on him to make because you're not changing anybody's mind in this first debate. Your goal is to just make make people think, and you start on that narrative: Trump, Fauci, Trump, Fauci. Remember, remember the lockdowns. He loved to blame the Democrats, but look what his own Fauci was doing and what his Fauci was recommending over and over again. And that was the Trump administration. It's not extremely strong. I, you know, I, for for somebody like me, but I'm not thinking about me and what would affect my decision. I'm just saying the public in general and the things that they would immediately react to, which would be COVID, the lockdowns, Republicans relate to the vaccines because Trump promoted the daylights out of the fact that, you know, the, you know, vaccines, vaccines, I got them quick. I got them quick. I got them quick. I've got them quick. And now all the controversies about getting the vaccines uh, out, the recommendations of who should get them, which uh, again, that was led by, uh, you know, the, the Trump's administration. Mm -hmm. It was a Trump administration that was involved in all of it. Whether Trump was directly involved or not doesn't matter. You can say, well, he wasn't making that decision. doesn't matter. It's his administration, and you go after what his administration did. Well, and and you also, you know, so you have to measure what's going to play out um, with Fauci. If the Fauci thing on COVID is coming back, and that discussion appears to be coming back, you know, because you mentioned Rand Paul earlier, and that was the first thing in my mind when I was talking about it, is is Rand Paul and how successful he's been. So you bring that back to the surface, then it's going to be in the top of minds. And that's going to that's going to be a problem. Um, the vaccine thing, if there's more talk about, well, this happened with the vaccine or the vaccine is leading to this. And, you know, there's already talk, forget about the mainstream media, on social media. And that's going to be a problem. Unless you look at it from the eyes of, well, we're likely to never hit a pandemic again. That's not going to happen again. And it's a wash. That maybe for independence, is it for loyal Republicans? Well, that's the thing is who, that if they're vote, loyal who vote in a primary, if they're loyal now, if they're part of that 55 percent, I don't know what changes it. Because they do their homework 
they're not the ones who are going to be, like we mentioned earlier, two weeks before the election. I'm still undecided. Nope. They're decided. In fact, they're the most decided. <laughs> so I don't think it, it, it changes there. I actually think, you know, it has an impact for the uh, for independence in the general election. It may have an impact. I guess the question is, again, what the conversation is about COVID, what the GOP does uh, on the investigation between now and then, and how much it's in the tops of minds of anybody, how much conversation there is about it. All right, switching to the other political party, I saw this, Jason Chavitz wrote it, uh, opinion piece, former representative who now works for Fox. Mm. Five indications Joe Biden will not run in 2024. Mm. We don't see Biden on the campaign trail defending his presidency or touting his accomplishments, and we haven't seen him really no. at all do no. that. And he said, uh, uh, reason number one, here's some of the indicators that Biden may not be planning to run. Skeleton crew, though Biden has begun hiring fundraisers for the 2024 campaign, his operation is a tiny skeleton crew of staffers working exclusively out of his home state of Delaware. That puts him closer to his homes, but far from the center of gravity of swing states or the nation's capital. That's number one. Number two, strategic travel. After spending some of the summer overseas, Biden is on uh, is in vacation mode for the month of August. Not only did Biden skip the traditionally all-important Iowa State Fair, he traveled to Utah. M- uh, my home state always welcomes the president of the United States, but we're hardly a battleground state. A serious candidate would have campaigned in Nevada, Colorado, and Montana. He did go on to visit northern Arizona, where he proclaimed the Grand Canyon to be one of the nine wonders of the world. Uh, he's always been a gaff machine, but with the election ramping up, his new wilderness grab does nothing to expand his base in critical Arizona. In fact, it polarizes uh, uh, voters. Number three, where is Kamala? Though she has visited Florida and picked fights with GOP presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis, Harris has been largely invisible through the first three years of the Biden presidency. Unless she's making a gaff, she seldom makes the news There is talk of deploying her to help with very specific demographic groups during the campaign. But as of now, we haven't seen much of her on the trail. Her portfolio is minimal. She is nowhere uh, for uh, for solving the immigration and human trafficking crisis. She is also reportedly tackling AI. We are not sure yet she can spell AI or lead the critical thinking necessary to put guardrails for this emerging technology. I don't know what his point was there except the fact She's not out campaigning for him. Mm. I think that's what that was. Fiddling as Maui burns. Yeah. Biden's unbelievable, Biden's unbelievable response to the Maui fires from his vacation on the beach of no comment ricocheted around the nation. Did he really not have anything to say to those desperate people fighting for their lives as he sunned himself on the beach? This was an, uh, it was an opportunity for a president to flex his political muscle Though the administration insists he has taken action, reports on the ground in Maui described aid being blocked, properties being looted, and FEMA being AWOL. And by the way, the complaints are coming from local stations and the national stations actually covering it and talking to people that are actually in need of things. And that's why I think he's a liability now that he's going going late. He's going Mm -hmm. far too late. And the questions are going to be everywhere. Where have you been?
Uh, and then the comment, the, the second one on Thursday, when he was asked, well, you're going to be traveling there. Anything to talk about tra- about your travels to Maui? No. Whoa, man. And then of uh, the fifth one he has here, hi- uh, hibernating over Hunter with real substantive evidence surfacing that the president's son took payments from foreign entities in exchange for access to his father. The campaign seems to be locking down. The New York Times reported that campaign manager Julie Chavez canceled a planned interview on the Biden-friendly MSNBC mm. to avoid facing a litany of questions about Hunter Biden. Upon his return from Delaware, Biden's team cordoned off reporters far enough that Biden could not hear their shouted questions as he turned their back on him. That's another thing that they're trying to do now. Make it so he can't hear the questions. Yeah, right. We need to move him back another 50 feet. Right. So they can scream the questions, but he can't hear he them. can't hear them. They're afraid if he hears a question. He'll engage. He'll turn around. Yep. With few exceptions, we don't see him on the campaign trail defending his presidency or touting his accomplishments in key battleground states. We don't see his vice president making the case for him. He isn't sharing his vision for the future. He is hiding, hiding from the press, hiding from the scandals, hiding from his own incompetence as commander-in-chief. Now, it's Jason Chevitz who wrote it, so you understand his bias uh, coming in. He says, by the end of the calendar year, I, for one, anticipate he won't be a candidate in 2024. Interesting. It's, by the way, that's exactly how you handle Maui. Listen, out of respect for the families who have lost loved ones, out of respect for the people of Hawaii, we're going to keep the media out of this. We're going to let the president talk one-on-one with some of the locals and pay his respects. And you keep the media at bay. Oh, yeah. By the way, if I'm advising this president, I tell them to handle it exactly that way. Because otherwise, the media is going to be shouting at him, where have you been? And he's going to be defiant. Oh, man. You talk about a liability. He's a liability every time he goes outside. Politically, you just don't want him in front of any cameras or microphones. You don't. You're cringing the entire time. You're just, oh, my gosh, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Yeah, I saw the blank look on his staff behind him oh. last Thursday. Even, oh. even Queen Jean-Pierre oh. was there. Yes. She was standing there. Oh, re- and he just goes, no. And you see no. the look in her face. Was it, well, like, and she looked down. I yep. rewatched that video probably a dozen times for that alone. She, He says no. And then she looks down like, oh, crap. My job's going to suck. For the next two weeks, at least, for that one two-letter word that he just issued. I mean, she looked down and looked defeated. Mm-hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here laughing, thinking about you know we've got a we've got a debate. Uh, we have a, a a debate coming up where the lead candidate won't be there. Yeah, and the lead candidate is not really campaigning and using his campaign money to campaign. He's using it for legal fees. Uh, yeah, and on the other side. That candidate is also not really campaigning to be president of the United States. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, well, it's like, <laughs> uh, it's like, number one question. Do either of you really want the job? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really care who goes first. Go ahead. <laughs> just, just talk over each other. We really don't care. Think about it. That's why everything's thrown out the window for this election. Yeah. No, really it is. It, everything is All of conventional wisdom and historic gone. numbers. You know, nothing necessarily applies. I mean, we may get, you know, this in our rear view. Uh, well, eventually we will. God willing. Hopefully we will. <laughs> exactly. Please, God, let <laughs> it happen. Let me live. Let me live through the election at least. And then, you know, once we do that, we can say, okay, well, this this was kind of normal or that was kind of or typical, maybe, of an election season. But <laughs> if you're looking at it right now, I don't know what applies. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.